0: Episode 124 of Biz Women Rock. Let's go. What's going on? Welcome to Biz Women Rock. This podcast and this entire community is dedicated to sharing great business stories from businesswomen all over the world so that their business journeys and the lessons that are there can help each and every one of us on our own business journeys. My name is Katie Kremitzos, and I am your happy host. I'm so excited to introduce my guest to you today, but before we get into the main show, it is Biz Women Wednesday. Every single Wednesday, we take just a little bit of time to highlight one of the fabulous women who are part of the Biz Women Rock community. Today, we're highlighting Pam Taylor, and her company, Festivity Designs, has a very unique safety whistle that has all sorts of custom designs on it. I was actually very lucky to get one a couple of weeks ago when I was in Seattle, so thank you, Pam. Um, But she is launching this entire campaign called We Are About to Get Loud using these whistles. She's very passionate about it. Pam, big congratulations to you for all that you're doing If you would like to be featured here on the Biz Women Wednesday series, just go to bizwomenrock.com and check us out. My guest today is Kate Matsudira. She's the creator of a company called Popforms. Now, Kate's history is actually working as a technologist inside of big companies like Amazon and Microsoft. However, she has always wanted to own a company of her own, and now Popforms is what she does. It is a very unique company that provides educational material and programming for uh, employees within companies to help them better themselves as leaders and Uh, professionals. In this interview, she really goes into what it has taken to start the company. She's only a little over a year old and how she's actually bootstrapped it, um, hired a team, what she does to train her team into leadership roles and really let it be so that she can actually kind of step aside and take maternity leave for six months during a very new business. She's got some really great insights into that. So sit back, turn up the volume and take a listen to Kate. Kate. Kate, what's going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I really appreciate you being here. I am super excited to be able to share your story with everyone. Um, You have a very, very interesting business as well as a really cool history on how you actually started your company. So can you start with a little bit about what you were doing before in the professional world that kind of prepared you to start um, PopForms?
1: Yeah, so I started my career as a software engineer at Microsoft and kind of worked my way up through big companies. I worked at Amazon.com, for example. And then I realized once I was an executive there that I really wanted to do my own thing. But I also felt very ill-prepared because I'd only worked in really big companies. So I started just kind of freelancing and helping some startups I ended up taking um, a CTO role. My first company got acquired. Um, and then I worked at a second company, which is still going. And then I worked at another, a third startup. So I kind of worked at three different startups, all um, on the executive team in a CTO or VP of engineering role. And then finally decided to do my own thing.
0: Gotcha. So what what exactly were you doing in a CTO role? Because you're a very technical person. So like, what were some of those skills that you were actually Doing at Microsoft and doing at Amazon that really lent themselves to a, a CTO role.
1: Well, I mean, I think in a, a startup it's really different, right? Because in the big companies, you tend to be very specialized. And um, the things that tend to overlap are like our people and process, right? Like managing people, inspiring people, setting vision, setting strategy, um, and then you know managing execution and all of all that. I mean, that's kind of a theme throughout. But I think in the startup world, it's a little bit different because even though I was really technical, so much of my job was actually more business than technology. I mean, I was working in very technical companies, so our business was technology. But, um, you know, I also had to build skills in sales, in marketing, and just all these really different areas because I think it's so much more important that you're well-rounded.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I would imagine that getting involved, kind of making that leap into working with startups. I mean, you got to see a lot of stuff from the ground up. Like, were you in these startups, like, literally when they began? Or was it, you know, a couple months later, a couple years later? Like, what stage were they in? And what were some of the major lessons that you learned about startups?
1: Um, well, it was two, two, um, two people who were... um Two of them were, like, ground up, kind of, like, in the first, like, five to seven employees.
0: Okay.
1: uh, Kind of after, you know, um, but the third one was a bit more mature. They would already raised an A round when they joined. So, um, you know, been through uh, fundraising from, like, C rounds to uh, B rounds and um, gone through all that. So I was kind of, like, a founding member and built teams from, like, literally just myself to teams of like 25 50 60 people so it's been it's been quite a journey (laughs) yeah no kidding
0: I mean I think that's so interesting that you get that vantage point from corporate and then into startup and then actually kind of doing all of that stuff for yourself it's just a really interesting vantage point you're getting a lot of different viewpoints from everything
1: yeah, well, and this is like the smallest company I've ever done is like my own because I decided not to raise money and just kind of uh, bootstrap the company as much as I could. So, yeah, so it's been, it's been a little bit even more different and more like having to do everything. <laughs>
0: yeah, no kidding. Well, and I want to get into that. So what, like during your time actually working with these startups, what was it? Even though you had this thought, you know, years before when you were working in these corporations that, yes, I want to do something on my own. Like, at what point did you know, okay, I'm ready to do something on my own, and here's my idea? I don't think I was ready.
1: (laughs) I think I was just at this point where I was like, if I'm going to do this, like, I've been telling people I'm going to do this for eight years. Like, I need to do it. Um, so it was more like a, you know, kind of one of those, I've been telling everyone, like, I need to, like, put my money where my mouth is. Yep. Because <laughs> um, I, I was advising entrepreneurs and sitting on the board of startups and, like, these founders are looking to me, and I'd never even founded my own company. Wow. And so, you know, I decided that that was something I really wanted to do, so I decided to do it. Um, one of the things that I saw when it came to exits is that, um, if you have a change the world idea and you really truly believe that or you need capital to do it, it's better to raise money. But like with my idea, I feel like we're still kind of figuring out as we go. Like I had a really popular personal blog um, that, you know, had a lot, I had a really big audience um, where, you know, I would get, Hundred thousand visits a month, right? So I'm getting. I had a lot of traffic on my personal blog, so I thought to myself, like, what can I? How do I turn that into a business? Like, I have eyeballs, I have people. What do they want? And that was kind of how platforms came about. Um, was I was I was like, you know, communicating with them, trying to figure out, like, looking at what resonated, and and people look to me for career advice, like I in my industry, which is you know like tech and CTOs and VP of engineering, I'm seen as a technology leadership expert. I keynote conferences on the topics, things like that. So I was like, how can I parlay my expertise into a business? And that was really how we did PopForms.
0: So how did you actually, first, actually use this as an opportunity to talk about what PopForms actually is. And then then I definitely have a lot of questions on how you actually built that. Yeah,
1: so it was, um, platforms is, we essentially solve the problem of, uh, helping, um, people grow in their careers. We call it, uh, we like to help superstars shine at work. But really what we're solving is that if you're, if you're an executive and you have a thousand dollars to spend to help you be a better leader, there's all kinds of things you can do. You, there's high end training, there's coaches, there's conferences. But if you're just a high potential employee, or and you want to help them grow you want to help them be better, what exists as a 50 to $100 price point? Like how do you help those people grow in their careers? And um, when we were talking, like the only options that were there were like free content on blogs, like Harvard Business Review, you can buy some books. But there really wasn't like courses or training available to these people um, and this kind of segment of the market, which is huge, right? And right. so that was our goal was how do we build – really fun and engaging um, content and training that we would want to use um, and consume um, that, you know, that to this kind of younger generation, we, we talk about like millennials as our main kind of customer base, but so that's not necessarily true, but kind of the up and coming workforce.
0: So I'm very curious to know what sort of research you did or what was your process to actually create the programming? Because, you know you stated it perfectly and this is such a beautiful business model and it's one that i firmly believe in it's it's what my entire biz women around community is actually made of which is build a community and you're doing this through your blog and you know and then see what they're looking for and build it and offer it to them and So you had this, you were seeing that this was a need, but how did you actually say, here's the idea, this is the feedback I'm hearing that we need to have, and here's this end product? Like what was the journey that you took to actually create that product and know that that was a product that really resonated with people?
1: Well, so we created a different product. Uh, We actually thought that goal tracking and feedback, like a tool, like a software tool, was what people wanted. So we built that, and we got uh, 10 different teams using it, and all the feedback we got from the teams was like, well, this is great, um, like, but what we really want is content to help us achieve our goals. And so um, we spent, I, I started my company in March, and between March and July, we basically were just focused on the goal tracking thing, and then we realized that that wasn't what people wanted, so then we decided to build uh, content to kind of support that. And then what we saw was that people, we were just the organic sales of our content and our courses were, because originally we would planned to give the courses away for free with the goal tracking.
0: Gotcha. In order to like but help people we, get to their goals, right? Yeah, that was the plan. And so, but what, we, but what we found
1: was that when we gave it for free, no one actually followed through. So we started charging, like, a small amount of money. Like, I think we started with, like, 5 and $10 for the courses. Um, and what we found was that whenever people paid, even if it was, like, a nominal amount, they were way more engaged with the content. They opened all the lessons. And the other thing that was interesting is they were more satisfied. So the people who were willing to pay not just uh, actually completed the lessons, but uh, rated, it like, gave higher NPS scores, like, 7, 8, 9, um, than the people who got it for free where we would see like four, fives, and sixes. So we were like, okay, well, we should clearly charge for these because that is better for the people, it feels like, and better for us. And so we started charging for the courses, and we started charging not very much, and um, we just saw a lot of organic sales. And then what we we started talking to companies, and they were like, well, $5 is not – it can't be
0: credible. Gotcha. (laughs) So raise your price because it means it's so much better, Right.
1: Yeah, so we raised our prices, like we doubled them, and then we doubled them again later, um, and we have seen revenue and sales go up from doubling our prices both times, um, which is sort of interesting. But <laughs> I think it just it, in the space it built credibility, and that's what you know people want to see. So yeah, so it's been kind of interesting. But we've then sort of built this organic business on content. But if you would have to told me. When I first started my company, I'd be in a content company, like a media company, kind of building courses and training. I would have thought you were crazy because my background is software. <laughs> um, and I still think that we are going to build software at some point, like, soon. We are working on some ideas, but um, right now, we have really good organic growth, and, and, like, I've been able to go from just myself to hiring three people. Um,
0: so it's it's good, but it, it isn't exactly what I thought to do. <laughs> Well, I'm curious on how you actually started selling this. Like, I I know you said, okay, you had this goal tracking software, and then those clients were the ones who ended up, you know, purchasing the actual content programs, but how, how else were you getting the word out? Like, how did people know that this was available?
1: Well, so we had a website, and we just put stuff on there, but we, I, so, um, I, and one of the companies I worked for as an early employee was um is now Moz.com but it was called SEO Moz. And um while I was patent well, I was in charge of the engineering and product side of things, I learned a lot about marketing and SEO. So one of the things we did was as soon as we launched our website, we kind of got active on the blog, active on social media, and started kind of building um, organic traffic. And so we have built our traffic up from zero, like, last uh, July, so a year and a, f- a half, a m- like, a few months ago, to uh, over 30,000 uniques last month. Wow. Um, completely organically. So, no paid traffic. Actually, that's a lie. We, one point we experimented, like, $300 of paid traffic, but it was a one-time thing. We only got, like, 100 visits, so I don't really count it.
0: Come on. And so that's all, like, now 30,000 Unique visits to your website every single month. Yeah, wow. gotcha.
1: every month.
0: It goes up every month. Now, what? where does a blog fit into that? Because you said that you have this personal blog, and I was checking it out. It's a really great blog, actually. And how does that fit into platforms? Like, what are you doing anything on there blog-wise? Or what sort of content do you have on there that, I know SEO is such a huge thing. So it's not just, oh, this refreshed content all the time. But like, where does a blog fit into your platform? Because that's something that I think everyone thinks that they should have, but are maybe not utilizing appropriately.
1: Well, so my personal blog at katemats.com, if people are interested, um, it is not really related. Like, it's truly a personal blog. And if you go there, the only time I update it is to announce, like, interesting launches related to platforms, sort of. Um, I don't really update anymore. So my traffic has gone down considerably kind of since I've done that because I really put all my effort into the content I'm creating on the platform blog. Got it. But um, but we use the blog um, as a marketing channel for us. So, our blog, so we kind of have, the way we our site works is we don't anticipate anyone just visiting our site to make a purchase, like on their first visit, because they don't know us, they don't know that we're the authority, we're selling content. If you haven't experienced our content, you don't know that it's good, so why would you want to pay for it? So... For us, what we're focused on when someone gets to the website is to get them interested enough that they want to subscribe to our newsletter. So we then kind of have a conversion funnel, which goes like once they're in our newsletter, then we try to get you to make a purchase <laughs> over right. time, right? Like, but we build that relationship and that trust. I think of it like dating, right? Like you don't try to get married after the first date. You know, you want to kind of like get to know them and then, and then slowly invest. And so that's kind of how we think of it and what we're trying to do with our website. So our website is trying to drive people into a newsletter and from our email we try to market and sell our products.
0: Got it. Okay. Now who And most of our
1: sales are to companies, right? So That's what I was gonna ask. Like
0: to, your so your clients are actually like corporate clients who are buying this education for their employees, right? Exactly. Got it. Uh
1: so so typically what we see is we will
0: sell small
1: one-off courses or subscriptions to someone in the company and then they really like it and then they will essentially be our champion and that tends to work pretty well for us and then the other call the other sales we do is literally cold calling sales and selling into like (laughs) which i hate doing and i'm terrible at doing i but i but we do it because it works so yeah that's
0: that other way we sell <laughs> have you like is one of your team mem- members now like solely dedicated to that or are you still doing a lot of no work? that's what I do come on yeah. see so you still got to go through the hustle of doing all the cold calls <laughs> yeah so if you hate cold calls <laughs> I would love to know what tricks you've learned about how to cold call successfully especially when you hate it
1: Well, typically I do use LinkedIn, so targeting somebody, and I write to them and just try to strike up a conversation. And I think because my title is not sales or biz dev, it's sort of this weird anomaly of like, why is this person talking to me? (laughs) And, um, And I try to phrase it like, I'd love to just have a conversation about what you're doing to develop your employees or how you're growing your team. And most people are open to just talking to you about what they're doing or what they're not doing. And so... Um, I see it as both kind of customer development and cold calling, but it's not fun. Mm. (laughs) But then, you know, and then I try to see if they're interested. And I mean, more often than not, like, they're not or it's not the right fit right
0: now. But it's, you know, like, it's a a grind a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And you just keep on going. Well, and I have to admit, like, for leadership products and development products like you know a 50 to 100 dollar range is super cheap like there's there's so many like grandiose products out there for like thousands of dollars and you're right like this you're fulfilling a very specific niche where it's a really easy buy-in to give it a shot and try it and see how much you really love it and then fall in love with these programs that are still really affordable for companies
1: yeah well and our thought is also like it's we will also do it as, like, an option, so you can kind of do a trial with your team, and, and that tends to work pretty well for us. Like, that's kind of my big, like, sales hook is, like, well, what you don't get it for your whole company. Like, send it out to your company and see who's interested and, like, will commit to actually doing it, and then you just pay for them. And that um, and that tends to, like, people are like, okay, well, that works. And then they can kind of approve and decide if they want to pay for it after people have said they're interested. And they can decide how many people are interested or whatever. So that's, that's kind of been the approach that I've been taking with sales, and that's
0: worked really well. Very cool. Now, as the techie, I'm very interested to know what is the technology behind this that allows you to deliver? Because this is all... Uh, you're not going in and physically giving this training. I mean, this is e-delivered. You know, people are basically you know um, accessing this through the internet or what have you through your specific programming. So, what actual programs do you use? What technology is there behind this to actually deliver this program?
1: Oh, we built it all ourselves, so it's <laughs> that's where the software had to come into it uh, just to have like the best user experience. And because we are. Our big thing is bite-sized lessons. So instead of you spending like two days in a leadership course, we're going to send you five to ten minutes of stuff every week. And the idea is that it's stuff that you can apply right then. So it's very actionable. So the content is like very, um, you know, streamed out, not very fluffy, very, you know, here it is, you know, ten minutes a week. Um, and so, and it's a push model where we send it to you an email every week. So, you kind of get it on Sundays and you can decide what to do. So, all of that has, like, we built kind of ourselves to kind of deliver and control it because we have really interesting use cases around when people start, when people stop, managing their email. It gets, it's actually quite complicated with corporate subscriptions. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we built
0: that. Gotcha. And I love that you're keeping all those analytics basically. I mean, because I heard you ask, I s- heard you say before something about like, oh, we can track like people actually opening it and are they staying in it long enough? So you've actually built all that stuff behind the scenes to see, to keep those analytics of how people are actually using it, right?
1: Yeah, but it's really interesting because I actually don't make those available necessarily to the companies. It's more to us. And the reason why is because I, I'm sort of against learning management systems that may, like, say, oh, this person watched the whole video or not. Right. Um, and the reason why is because it's really easy to game, right? Like, I could have a video on right now and you wouldn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's not that. And moreover, like, what you want. And moreover, if I know a topic or I'm already good at that, like, why should I have to sit through a video of it? Um, so I think it's, we, we give is managers weekly discussion questions that they can discuss with their team, either in a team meeting or in one-on-one, to kind of help them, say, are the people on their team learning and building these skills.
0: Gotcha. But so, you, you um, guys are using those numbers internally just to see if your programming is effective and really sticking. Yeah. Or, or if people are really paying attention to it, really, like if they're actually opening it, engaging with it, staying it on that page or what have you.
1: Yeah, Well, I think, like, it's better for a manager or the people working with the person to see, like, are they doing it? For, for us, it's more interesting of, like, do people consume the content? Because that right. tells us, like, is the topic appeal to people or whatever versus are they actually learning and getting something out of it? They're very different metrics, and I don't think we can measure the latter um, by usage.
0: Got it. Okay. Great point. Yeah. Um, Now, you had mentioned earlier that you are a self-funded company, and I find that very, very interesting because, um, you know, you kind of live in this space that, you know, you kind of have this tech product, but it's content product, it's content delivered. Um, And typically speaking, especially in some of the startups that you had worked for before, the real norm is actually to go out and do, you know, like formal fundraising to be able to make your tech product and your tech business really go. Why did you decide to stay self-funded, and what have been some of the pros and cons of that?
1: Gosh, so uh, the biggest reason is that I think that if you have a change the world idea, or you need a lot of capital to get started, I think funding makes a lot of sense. While we definitely think about changing the world, when I started my company, I thought what would kind of exit would make me happy, and I realized that if I could keep it self-funded and manage control over the company, that that ultimately would probably be better for me long term. Because, for example, to make, you know, $4 million from an acquisition, you have to sell your company for, you know, $15 million or $20 million or something uh, if you take VC funding. I mean, obviously, it all depends on how much you raise and how successful your company is, all that stuff. But, like, if you just own the whole thing and you get to, you know, half a million or a million in revenue, like, that's an easy number, no problem. Right. Right? Uh, So, for me, it was like, okay, and I believe that I can do that within two years, right? So, I told myself if I can do that, then I'm better off that than having to do, like, five to six years of a VC-funded company. So, just... The, the time perspective and my self-confidence kind of got in that, like the out of like looking at the reasonable outcome. Um, but the second reason, I mean, so that was one reason. I think the other reason was that we, I wanted initially to have a prototyping customers and to have like be able to show market traction when I raised, so I would get better terms. And we kept changing direction and we kept changing things. And then we kept kind of just growing and, and I kept saying, okay, should I go raise money now? Should I go raise money now? But it was kind of like, well, we have these things planned. Like, let's launch these things first. And then and then it's kind of been this, like, perpetual, like, oh, we're always going to launch something new. We're always trying something new. And, um, and so we just haven't quite got there yet. Um, but, you know, I don't know what will happen in the future. Like, will we raise money? Will we sell the company? Like, there's so many unknowns and potential possibilities. I'm just kind of... Um, enjoying the ride. And then also, like, you know, this is kind of another thing was I was thinking about raising money and then I found out I was pregnant and I wanted to take maternity leave. And, um, my company was at a point with the employees and the people there that I trusted that I actually could do that. It, but if I was raising money and things like that, I think I would have felt a lot of pressure to get back to work right away. Right. Um, but as it was, I could work 10 or 20 hours for four to five months and it was, and the company still kept growing.
0: Wow, well, right.
1: So I think it was like the perfect option. But now I'm kind of getting back to work full time. maybe baby is six months old, and and I'm I'm thinking about what's next and what we're going to do. So I, things may change, but that's kind of the at least the decisions and my thoughts so far.
0: Well, and I I definitely want to dig in a little deeper there because especially for a fairly new company. I mean, you started your company in 2013. I mean, to be able to have brought on team members, you know, three team members who are basically, you know, can run a lot of the company for you while you're taking maternity leave is a huge thing to do within, you know, a little over a year. So can you talk a little bit about, let's start with this question first. When did you know that it was right for you to hire your first person? Because that's a very big step, especially if you're bootstrapping it. So when did you know that it was the right time to hire that person and um you know the follow up question is really like how have you built out that team so that it can run while you're while you're able to take maternity leave
1: Um well so I knew as soon as I had revenue coming in I was I was paying people on contract to help me um like write the content and um and kind of keep things going and so one of those people I had worked with before And I I call her a co-founder in some ways because she was there at the very beginning, and so I brought her on full time as soon as we had the revenue to support her salary. Um. So, and and, but I was kind of paying her a partial salary, you know, or like you know for her work, you know, part time up until that point. So she because she was a freelance, you know, doing freelance work, and she's been amazing and has grown considerably. Um, You know, she started as a writer, and now um, and kind of doing research and interviewing, you know, executive coaches and all stuff as we built out our content. And then now she's like, she does all of our marketing, she does social media. Like, she's just grown so much, and so she's really evolved in that role. Um, And I think of her as like my when I need help on my ideas or as a sounding board. Like, I rely on her. She's like basically my COO now. So it's sort of crazy to go from. Kind of contract writing to like basically like my co founder and you know the person I rely on for everything. And so without her, I don't think I could have taken maternity leave because she's she can run everything without me. (laughs) She's just amazing.
0: Well, and um, what um, what have you done and how have you interacted with her as a leader of the company in order to really empower her to do that? Because, you know, I keep hearing this. this somebody said this phrase to me the other day, and it keeps ringing in my head. Uh, what was it? It was, delegate, don't abdicate. So, you know, there's a process for delegation. So, hey, here's your job and here's how to do it. Here are the expectations and, you know, we'll kind of uh, review and all that stuff versus abdicating, which is like, here, help, go, and you're never going to see me again because I'm too busy doing other stuff. So, you know, she's obviously, even as a a contractor, obviously she, you know, was kind of doing her own thing and, and had a lot of leadership skills. But how have you really implemented how she works in your company so that she does really step it up and does take that leadership role. And I'm asking this because there's so many business women who are hiring their first or second person and really want somebody to kind of step in and be a leader so they don't have to be it all. But there it's a tricky thing to be able to to manage that. So how have you done that um with your COO?
1: Well, I think there's two two things that I do that I've learned. Um so the first one is um like, teach someone how to do something. So if, like, there's a workflow or something that I need her to do or whatever, I will make a video of me doing it, like a screen capture, um, and, and say, okay, here's how to do it. If you need to look, like, here's how I did it. Or I'll write really detailed instructions. Like, I'll go through it, and, and then I'll just give that to her. So it's, like, really teaching her but, and also creating this reference document. So if she has to teach someone else. It's like, oh, here's this video. So um, that's really good for things like customer support or, you know, like we have these custom systems. So like, how do you set things up? How does it work? Um, so there's that piece of it. Like, how do you teach people? And so I kind of think about instead of just getting with her once and like showing her, I I try to create this like static reference document that she can use or leverage or when we bring someone else on. Like, it's really nice to have that so that's one thing that I think is really helpful love that the second thing that I do is I never ever answer questions it feels like if she emails me and she is like how should I respond to this person or whatever instead of writing well I would say you know do x I say well how would you respond and she will then tell me, and then I give her feedback on that. And, and that it has to do with every decision. Like, if she's like, what should I work – like, is this more important or this more important? I will say to her, well, what do you think is more important? Um, and, and what I find is that if we disagree, so if what she says or she proposes is not something I agree with, that I haven't given her enough information to actually make the decision correctly, right? It's usually a, a problem with me. Like, the roadmap wasn't clear, the priorities weren't clear, um, you know, that sort of stuff. Otherwise, what I find is a lot of times that she's she's right, and it teaches her to kind of trust her instincts and, like, know when to ask for help and and empowering her to make those decisions. Mm. Um, So those are, like, kind of my big lessons is... um, you know, don't don't ever tell people what to do. Like always, if someone asks you a question, how can you? Like I ask them a question back. Like, well, what would you do? I <laughs> or, what love What do you that. think is more important? I and lo- that tends to really work well just to train people to think for themselves. Yeah. And and then also she and then what started happening and she like jokes about this is instead of sending me a question like how do I handle this she know right. You know, I wanted to get your opinion. I was going to do this. you know, do you think that's the best option? <laughs> you know, gotcha. because, you know, and so it's also training her to kind of like, you know, make my life easier to be the person with all the answers.
0: I you know I love that so much, Kate, is because you, you always hear this like, um this thing of like, you know, come to, as a leader, you're supposed to say, come to me with not with problems, but come to me with solutions. And that you just gave the perfect kind of middle step on how to train people how to do that versus just give me your ideas versus telling, you know, complaining to me about what's wrong. I mean, that's a really, really good, solid answer and a solution on how to do that. I love that. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, well, I I, I think that, that you want to teach everyone to be the CEO of their job, right? So you want them to, A, understand what their job is, right, which I think always helps. Like So the other thing that we talked about that has helped is we kind of have these really clear company priorities of, like, always customers come first. If there's a customer issue, if there's a customer problem, if there's a customer email, like, it's the top thing on your list, right? Customers are always first. You know, the second thing is, you know, your project work. And then the third thing is, like, our marketing, our blog, our social media. You know, so we kind of have this this idea of, like, where work falls within the company. And so that kind of helps because everyone kind of helps share that load. Mm -hmm. Like, we all take turns posting on the blog. We all take turns. We we all are very active on social media. We all, you know, own the responsibility of of helping our customers be successful, um, you know, at different levels and, you know, different people are interacting with different, you know, people in the company. But, Yeah, and I think that also helps, too, It's just also having really clear, as a company, these are our priorities, these are our objectives, you know, this is what comes first.
0: Right. Kate, I'm curious to know, after, you know, this year and a half of having this company and being the entrepreneur for yourself for the first time, after, you know, consulting with all of these entrepreneurs in the past and sort of being this, known as this tech leader, how has that changed who you are and who you show up to be as a leader and a business leader in your community?
1: Oh, my gosh. I feel like I've shown up less. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm so much less available. Um, just because I'm always working on my stuff. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that I think that it, in some ways it's really hard, but in other ways I feel, like, I don't know. I feel like this is both the hardest and most fulfilling thing I've ever done. So it's both really, like, and it depends on the day. Like, some days, like, If I lose a deal or, you know, I get rejected a lot or whatever, I'll just have, like, a really, like, this sucks. Like, I want to quit, and it's really hard to just get back up and get with it, like, the next day. And then other days when things go really well, like, we get a big deal or a contract goes through or, you know, we get really amazing press coverage, it's...
0: It's like I'm on top of the world, and I'm like, this is
1: amazing. We're gonna do such great things, but
0: it's a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I was talking to my cousin back and forth, and she just started her own health business um, up in Chicago. And, um, and uh, she, we were just kind of going back and forth, and you know, she's like, Oh, congratulations on all this great business stuff you got going on. And I said exactly that. I'm like, This is. Hands down, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and simultaneously the most fulfilling thing. And it's just, it's exactly that. It is a constant up and down. And, but you know, like I think, and I would love to hear your opinion on this, but even in those days that suck, and, you know, you just are like, oh my God, how am I ever going to get up and do this all over again? Or, oh my, especially as a brand new mom, oh my gosh, I have no sleep and I need to get up and, and move the business forward. It just, there's still, no other option than just to keep moving forward and just to do it because there's still that fire there even when it's really dim you know like there's still it's still there is that how you feel as well
1: yeah I mean I think that it has been I don't know like I feel like yeah it's hard it's always hard
0: yeah yeah (laughs) well um so I want to I want to go ahead and transition into the last portion of our interview today which is the favorite five are you ready Yes. All right. So what is your favorite business book? Um, The Slight Edge. The Slight Edge? Yeah. Why do you like that book?
1: Um, The Slight Edge is amazing because it talks about how uh, career development, personal development is exactly like compound interest in the bank account. Where success and failure doesn't happen overnight or in a week or in a month, it's a product of a lot of little decisions and, like, consistency, right? So if you eat 200 less calories a day, it's like skipping a cookie. But over a year, that will add up, right? Reading 10 pages a day in a good book, over the course of a year, you'll finish, you know, 12 books or whatever. Um, it just, it's such a great philosophy, and it totally changed the way I looked at my work. At my life and just all the little things I do. So just, you know, deciding to not watch TV for an hour and to read a book or to do these other things. And I think it's made me so much more successful. So it's definitely my favorite.
0: Love it. All those little mini decisions in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Love that. Okay. How about your favorite business tool? And I'm going to ask for one that maybe is a little off edge or, or one you think maybe not a lot of people know about that you use in your business. Um, uh, can you repeat that? I'm sorry. I just cut for a second. That's okay. Um, your favorite business tool. So something that you use that makes your business life a lot easier, maybe something that maybe a lot of people don't know about.
1: Um, well, another one of my favorite like software tools is Reportive. Do you know what that one is? Reportive? Um, Reportive. It's spelled R-A-P-P-O-R-T-I-V-E. Ah, what's that? It's a plugin for if you use Gmail and Chrome, it's a really cool plugin that um, will show you the social media like profiles of the people that you're talking to. So like their LinkedIn, their Twitter, their Facebook. Um, and it's so cool because you can kind of like if you're just randomly interacting with someone or you're researching or trying to find email addresses for people, like it's such a it's so handy. So it's by far one of my like especially with the like sales aspect of what I'm doing. So
0: helpful. <laughs> nice. Very, very nice. So it's an easy little glance over. I love that. Um, and you get to
1: see their picture, right? So it's sort of t- cool too because you can kind of see who you're talking to. Right. Whereas
0: sometimes times you're corresponding with people over email and you don't even know what they look like. It's very true. Very true. Um, okay. How about your favorite mommy tool?
1: My favorite mommy tool. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Um,
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of them, but just one that comes to your mind. Something that's made your mommy life a lot easier. Oh my gosh, well,
1: um, I think that if I was to tell, I I love my ergo carrier, like carry, especially in the beginning, like, I would just, like, put my baby on, and even now, like, I'm not doing it right this second, but um, if I want to, like, I would just wear him and like do conference calls at the same time or like go on walks and stuff and so that was pretty cool because I got to spend time with him and still work because like I said in the beginning when I was on maternity leave I was still working every week Right. so it was like how do I do that and so I feel like my little my ergo carrier like made that possible It's so, like my farm was the best thing that I
0: bought for my child I, <laughs> I love it okay um, how about your favorite team activity that you do like um, you know anything kind of fun and quirky or cool that that you do with your team that you know it's just a fun activity. A fun
1: activity. Um so we celebrate every time something really good happens in the business, like we launch something or whatever, we do um it's like a team picnic lunch. So instead of going out somewhere, we order in food and we like celebrate kind of at someone's house or you know kind of like in this like, you know, in a different environment, but it's really cool because it's it's really different than going to a restaurant, but it's, it's sort of fun because we have everybody over and it's a lot more of a family thing than a, than it feels corporate And I just love that. I love thinking about my team as like my, as they're more than just my coworkers.
0: Love that. So, love that a lot. That's a great one. And the last question, what is your favorite way to unwind and relax?
1: I am a really big fan of working out. Like, I love to run. I love to exercise. I love doing yoga. So, to me, I, like, when I got a nanny, that was, like, the first thing I started doing again was exercising because I could never really, I was so tired at the end of the day. I never, ever got a chance to do it. And so now, you think, like, the first thing I would do was like, work more. But it was, like, you know, as soon as I got the nanny, the first thing I started doing was exercising because I feel like it is such a great way for me to, like, unwind and clean my head and just help me so good.
0: Love it. Love it. Well, Kate, I really want to thank you so much for sharing your journey with us today. It was very, very interesting and I just thank you so much for uh, for sharing it with us. Awesome.
1: Thank you, Katie. It was great being on your show.
0: Bizwomenrock.com forward slash 124 is where you'll find all the show notes for the show. Um, always really great quotes there as well as Uh, a link to Kate's website so you can find out a little bit more about her. Um, Just really enjoyed that conversation. I I am just such a lucky person that I get to have all these conversations with these rockstar businesswomen. They're just amazing. Blow my mind every single time. And um, there's always, I mean, a multitude of nuggets that I get, but the major one just like that hit me in the gut today was her um her action the steps that she takes to actually train her team for leadership i mean so many of those things are like so duh obvious but it's not until like you're ready to hear it and hear it again that it really makes an impact and that's what it did for me today the um definitely the tool of you know always answering your team members question with a question to see how they would handle it and then helping guide them in making those right decisions that are really in line with what you would want to be doing. I just, I totally love that, got a lot from that and I'm going to be doing that from now on. I tend to be the person who's like, okay, do this. <laughs> so I can't, I have a lot to learn there. Anyway, um, I hope you really enjoyed The story today, Um, Kate, was wonderful. And I hope you got a lot out of it. And more than getting a lot out of it, I hope that you really took something from here and will now go implement it into your business. And just like the book that... Kate had recommended, The Slight Edge. It's all about the little changes that you make, the little decisions that you make and how they accumulate um, to really making a big impact on your business. So if you take something from this show and you take something from the next show and just one by one, just kind of implement these little ideas and how they fit in your business, I guarantee six months from now, a year from now, you're going to look back and be like, OMG, that was really powerful. And it all adds up. So I'm really proud of you for listening. I'm proud of you for taking little nuggets from here and implementing them in your business. Have an awesome one and I will see you on the next show. Bye-bye.